Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Due to the graphic nature of some of the topics we will be touching on, listener discretion is advised. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back. We are here with another stirring rendition of your favorite Eye for an Eye podcast. My name is Matt, for those of you who are not familiar. I'm here with my lovely co-hostesses, ladies, tell them what's up. Hi there. Hey there. (laughs) Not at the same time, guys. God. We're just so excited. We haven't recorded in a while. When did we record last? Early November. I have a picture in my head November 9th, but... I also told you I watched that Rebecca Zahau thing when I was eight years old. So. Yeah, I was like, that doesn't make sense because that happened. Before. I know, the math is wrong. It feels like that was last week to me, but like, my days are all a blur, so I don't know where anything is and what anything is. But I'm excited for this one today. I don't know a lot about it. It's been a minute and we're back and this one is exciting. I was telling Lisa right before we started recording that I had a period in time where I was just consuming a sickening amount of television and I watched a documentary that sparked my interest in this case and I just wrote it down because I wasn't sure if I wrote it in my notes but the documentary is on Hulu and it's called Wild Crime Murder in the Rocky Mountains so I'm going to jump right in because this is exciting it was September of 2012 when Harold Henthorne surprised his wife, Tony with a trip to Rocky Mountain National Park to celebrate their 12th wedding anniversary before we talk about their trip I want to get some background info. In September of 2012, we're celebrating a 12-year wedding anniversary, but Tony and Harold had actually met online in late 1999 and got married only nine months later. It was a very quick little dating period before they got married, which is fine. Nothing wrong with that. Tony was an eye surgeon and Harold was a fundraiser for hospitals and churches. This was both Tony and Harold's second marriage. Throughout their 12 years of marriage, Tony's family and friends noticed changes in Tony's demeanor. In my research, I found a book and an article I found referenced this book called The Accidents by Caleb Hannon, and his words were perfect, so I'm going to quote them here directly. Caleb says, and despite her having all the trappings of happiness, a big house, a healthy child, a yearly Christmas card detailing everything that had gone right for them, that never seemed to happen. Even though Tony and Harold had all these great things, there were just some changes that her family were pointing out. And along with those changes came a change in location. Tony's family lived in Mississippi, but Harold convinced her to leave Mississippi and move to Colorado, leaving behind family and friends, moving to Colorado. Not only did Harold convince Tony to move, 
But Harold refused to let Tony travel back to Mississippi to just visit. And I mean, all the red flags should be going off by this point. If anyone wanted to visit Tony or their daughter, Haley, they had to come to Colorado, which was difficult because Tony's parents were elderly. In addition, Harold would not let Tony speak to her parents or friends on the phone without him being there and having the conversation on speakerphone. Oftentimes, he would take over the conversation completely. Like I said, red flags going off all over the place. But, you know, from the outside looking in, as Caleb Hannon said in his quote, they have the big house, they have a happy child, they're sending out their Christmas card, and there was more underneath. Tony's co-workers had this to say about Harold and his relationship in the marriage with Tony. Quote, he made us uncomfortable, him meeting Harold. There was something creepy about him. Tony was not able to schedule anything outside of her normal schedule without first consulting with Harold, end quote. Okay, they have a child. Maybe he wants to be mindful of planning things, him planning things so someone's there, but that's just one element. Like I said earlier, he wasn't letting Tony go to visit. He wasn't letting her have unsupervised phone conversations. When you look at all these things all together, especially this next part, because it was just really creepy to me. Harold went as far as refusing to allow Tony to put their daughter to sleep at night, claiming that, quote, the hour or so before Haley fell asleep was his daddy-daughter time, end quote. And for many years beyond the time that it is appropriate, Harold kept a video monitor in Haley's bedroom. So you have a monitor when your child is a child, so you can make sure they haven't fallen out of their crib or they're crying, but... This is number one, a video monitor, and number two, way beyond the time that it was appropriate for that to be happening. That makes me feel so uncomfortable. Right. And so that's what I'm saying. If you looked at each of these things as an isolated circumstance, okay, he's a controlling dude, but it wasn't isolated. These were all happening. It's just really sad. And I didn't uncover that there was anything Besides the general creepiness, anything sinister happening in this, quote, daddy-daughter time? It turns things into creepy-ass things. Being with your parent or having daddy-daughter time should be this normal thing. But now every time I hear something like that, I get so creeped out. And, like, even if it is daddy-daughter time, why can't mommy come in and be a part of it? You know, I can't imagine my husband looking at me and be like, "Mm, sorry, you're not allowed. It's daddy daughter time. Right. And to your point, it doesn't have to be this weird thing. It's very good in a sense for each parent to have their own time with the child, but you're refusing your wife into that time and space. I don't know. For other people to be like, it was creepy. Let's keep our head on a swivel there. Right. Coupled with the supervised conversations, the not allowing her to schedule anything without consulting. That's so weird. The video camera, that's where I'm like, "Mm," the monitor. "Mm." Right. And when you look at pictures, it's like, okay, he's not my cup of tea, but he doesn't look overtly like a big creep, you know? I feel like everybody to me looks like a creep. You're a creep until you prove me otherwise. (laughs) I know where I'm at. Wait, this is going to elevate the creep factor. So like I said, the coworkers, the family, the friends, everybody is kind of on alarm with Harold. Everything he's doing is sending off red flags to them. But 
Whenever family or friends tried to broach the subject of Harold's behavior with Tony, she gave the same response. This was a quote that her mother later gave. Quote, if you do that, meaning broach the topic or step in, intervene, I'll suffer the consequences. Yeah, there's a lot of red flags. And I wish there was better ways to knock people out of what I like to call the relationship trance. I understand, especially in abusive situations, it's hard to get out. But I wish there was a version of 5150-ing someone or whatever that's in an abusive relationship. Because like, that's a red flag, but what can anyone do? Be like, "Mm, do you hear yourself? Get out, run for the hills. And people always say they have to learn for themselves. And unfortunately, especially when there's abuse, you don't have that opportunity. But when you're with a bad partner or something, whatever. I don't know. (laughs) Anyway. There was lots of concern from family and friends, and their concern only became more serious after, quote, the cabin incident. I'm already freaked out. Dun, dun, dun. I know. I'm telling you, I'm going to do this case as much justice as I can, but you guys should really watch the documentary because it was great and breathtakingly beautiful because they show all the scenery and stuff. Anyway, the cabin incident. On a trip to the small cabin that Harold owned, he called Tony outside to help him with something. It seemed as if this was a place they visited frequently, like that in itself isn't weird that they're there. Harold calls Tony outside to help him while Tony was standing on the ground below a raised porch. She felt something heavy hit her on the neck, knocking her to the ground. Tony was experiencing pain and numbness, and she was taken to the ER. Quote, Afterwards, she would discover what it was that had hurt her so badly. A large piece of lumber that Harold said fell off the porch. If she hadn't moved a millisecond before it hit her, she later told her mother, it may have landed right on her head, perhaps with enough force to kill. Let me recap that because I inserted that quote in the middle. Harold calls Tony outside. She's down below. In my mind, he's on this elevated porch deck type surface. Tony gets hit in the back of the head with this huge piece of wood. Doesn't really seem like a coincidence in my book. It just fell? That's the story that's being told, is that this fell, it hit her, and literally could have killed her. This reminds me of another case, which we can cover later down the road, but the guy was driving with his wife in the car, and a semi-truck was in front of them or something, and the story was that it came through the windshield and impaled her, but they found out later that the husband did something. I don't know. I'll have to find it. It's very bizarre, but this reminds me of that. If he somehow made that happen, he's the most gifted assassin of all time, to be honest. He pulled a final destination on his wife. He was like, listen, I'm going to make this look fucked up and nobody's going to know it was me. I've never heard of that case, Lise, but again, Harold is trying to control the situation. Tony was only able to share the full story with her mother on a very rare time that she was allowed home to visit in Mississippi, and it was her first time home in over a decade. And I mean, I don't always get home to see my family a ton, but if I hadn't seen them in over a decade, I don't know, it's just... A lot. And so Tony's mother obviously expressed her concerns, the same ones we were voicing, that this cabin incident was no accident and it was a setup. Tony's mother also took this rare opportunity that they were alone to share her concerns about Harold's job. This we'll talk about a lot. She felt that something was off about Harold's job and she believed that Harold was living off of the life insurance policy of his first wife. That's right. Harold's first wife, Lynn, 
had also died under pretty mysterious circumstances. Of course she did. Of course, why wouldn't she be alive under normal circumstances? And what? Yeah, let's jump back and talk about Harold and Lynn. No one was marrying me without a background check. Was she the one who did Harold orchestrate somehow? Is that the case Lisa's referring to? No, unfortunately it's not the same, but it's similar. And this also has lots of Sarah Casey vibes to me. So Harold and Lynn, whose real name is Sandra, I don't know where Lynn came in to be, but her birth name is Sandra. And they were married, you guys, for 12 years before tragedy struck. The same amount of time that Harold and Tony were married before tragedy struck upon them. What is the odds of that? What is happening here? I don't know. It's bizarre. On May 6, 1995, Lynn and Harold were driving on a remote highway in Colorado when they had to pull over to fix a flat tire. According to Harold, Lynn went underneath the couple's Jeep Cherokee to retrieve a lug nut that she had dropped. I'm going to keep my comments to myself. This is one thing that I definitely did not do enough justice, but the documentary reenacts this whole thing and they do incredible work. Let me keep going and then we'll talk about that. Harold claimed Lynn went underneath to retrieve this slug nut that she had dropped. At the same time, he claims that he threw the flat tire into the trunk of the Jeep, causing the car to fall off the jack and crushed Lynn underneath. Though Lynn was airlifted to Swedish Medical Center in Englewood, she sadly died at the hospital. When questioned, Harold told one deputy they were driving back from dinner and told another that they were driving to dinner. Yes, maybe you're mixing up a detail, but that was not the only thing that was suspicious about this whole scenario. Harold claimed that Lynn called out his name after the Jeep fell on her, but told another investigator that Lynn said, I think something's on me. That's what you say when you think there's a bug on you and you're like, I think there's something on me, not the whole vehicle fell on you. Anyway, Harold then told one deputy he pulled Lynn out from underneath the Jeep. There was people that pulled over to stop and try to help. And he said that the people who stop and check on the scene were the ones to pull her out. Again, maybe singularly, these wouldn't be a big thing. Obviously, he's going through trauma, but a lot of things aren't adding up here. But despite the many inconsistencies in Harold's story, Douglas County Sheriff's Office closed this case six days later, calling Lynn Henthorne's death an accident. Harold wasted no time cremating Lynn's body and collecting her nearly $645,000 life insurance payout. Now, before we jump back to Harold and Tony, I will say there is a lot more to talk about in terms of Lynn's death, and I don't want to appear that I'm glossing over it. I'm just trying to move the case along, but check out Wild Crime. That's the the documentary that got me hooked on this case. It's available on Hulu. They have great reenactments of the specific year Jeep Grand Cherokee. They have it on gravel as it was on the side of the road. They put it up on a jack. They throw the tire. They do all the stuff and prove his story is bullshit, as we all can tell on our own. There is also a 48 Hours episode about this case that I did not watch. But check out all the resources because this case is very fascinating. I'm not going down that much of a rabbit hole, but there is nitty gritty out there if you're intrigued. Jumping back to Harold and Tony. Tony is having this really difficult, really deep conversation with her mother in the first time they've been alone or at least been able to speak alone without 
Harold's supervision in over a decade. And her mother is expressing all of these worries about their relationship, the controlling behavior, the inconsistencies with Harold's job, their finances. They're really unloading, unpacking. And the eight times he's tried to kill her, you know. Right. I feel like I'm on repeat. It's not just one thing. There are a lot of things here. And Tony, to add to that, expresses her own fear that Harold may be having an affair. What's the least of your worries? Right. I mean, he's trying to kill you, number one. Number two, he's having an affair. But very difficult conversation, very overdue. It's the first time in over a decade that she was with her family and he wasn't breathing down her throat because he's a psycho. Tony's mother ends this very deep and difficult conversation with the chilling line. Quote, you do with this what you want to, but I would be very careful. I would not go anywhere alone with this man. End quote. That's very hard to take in, number one, about anyone. If somebody was like, oh, that Matt, don't go anywhere alone with him. It's like every girl's parents in America says that one. But she's saying that about your husband. You live with him. This is kind of weird, but I'm curious if either of you do it. Do you ever think something morbid but refuse to say it out loud or text it or acknowledge that you thought it because you're afraid that it will one come true and then to the news story about that thing will be like, oh, she texted. I feel like like today will be my last day or something. And then she died and it was like some ominous thing or am I just a crazy person? Or both. I'm more concerned that you guys will throw me under the bus, to be honest with you. Oh my gosh, don't even. So one of my friends in high school lived in this very, I don't want to say remote, but it was heavily wooded. It was really dark, no streetlights. So anytime I would go to her house and drive home, I was 100% certain there was someone in the back of my car. But I was like, I'm not going to acknowledge this person. I'm just going to drive home. I'm going to get out, whatever. Let me back that up to say, not from this friend's house, but I was leaving another friend's house one time and someone followed me home. Yep, followed me home. Well, what did you do? What happened? I just kept driving. I called my mom, my stepdad, my sisters, one that was at home and nobody answered. So I just kept driving around the neighborhood. I was like, I'm not going to show you where I live. And then they eventually stopped following me. So I don't know if they thought I was someone else or if they were trying to truly follow me. But yeah, circling back. Tony's mother gave her that very chilling warning, which, like I said, is one thing to hear about a random stranger, a creepy guy at work. But this is your husband and you now have to go back to him and live with him. I mean, granted, they have a daughter, but it's basically Harold and Tony by themselves. So now I'm going to jump all over the place again and go back to the anniversary trip. It does seem that Harold and Tony were an outdoorsy couple and they like to do these types of things. So it wasn't like, oh, this is a weird trip. It was nice and thoughtful. And September 29th of 2012 was by all accounts a beautiful fall day. Harold and Tony set out on this hike and they're about two miles onto the trail. And Harold led them off the trail into some rough terrain, which... Of course he fucking did. Yeah, yeah. Also, in what planet would you follow this dude farther into the woods? That's what I'm saying. I should have just told this woman. You know what? He's a bad guy. They did. They did tell her. That's the other part. Right. And what's she going to do? In my mind, what should have happened is that Tony should have never left 
Mississippi when she got the moment to leave. Although I don't know that her daughter was with her and I could see her being like, I can't leave her with him type thing. But I mean, that's your husband. If he says we're going on this anniversary trip, he's controlling, he's abusive. He's trying to kill you. You know that, but I'd be like, to where though? A resort where there's a hundred other people around at dinner? Let's go on the trip. He's like, let's go camping in the wilderness of Colorado. I'm like, mm, mm, no, that's not me. That's not going to be me. I'm not turning into one of your podcast episodes or whatever. Nope. Well, here we are. <laughs> I don't want to victim blame her and be like, why the hell were you ever in the woods with this guy? Hindsight's always twenty twenty, and unfortunately she doesn't get that hindsight but we do and maybe she wasn't as aware as we're assuming we have the full picture right in one document whereas she's lived this over 12 years to the point we made earlier maybe her bigger concern is that he's cheating and he's having this affair versus her own personal safety it's hard like you said lisa we have all the facts we have to think that tony was doing what she thought was best but it's just very tragic on this hiking trip They're on the rough terrain, and there are many accounts of what happens next. There's basically four, and I'm going to walk through them. Number one, Harold claims that Tony lost her balance and falls off the steep cliff and plummets to her death. That's one account. Number two, Harold notices that Tony was lagging behind, and he couldn't find her, so he starts looking over the edges, and that's when he sees that she's fallen down, and that she's at the bottom of this steep cliff. Story number three in Choose Your Own Adventure, Harold gets a text message, has his head down looking at his phone, and sees a little flash. Then, all of a sudden, Tony's not there. Story number four, Harold claims that Tony is taking a picture of him, And there is this picture. I don't know if I included it in this document, but it is a real picture of Harold standing. We can assume or we cannot assume that Tony is taking the picture. It's not the picture of them by their car? No, it's just him. Uh, Oh, And people say, did she really take it like he's claiming or did he push her and then take it to set up the story? Is this guy just playing musical chairs with an alibi? Guess which one? It wasn't me, but here was one of these things happened. That's what I'm saying. So he claims that Tony's taking this picture and while getting set up for the shot, Tony falls backwards off the cliff. These are all absolutely ridiculous and none of them actually account for my theory, which I kind of just shed some light on. But one way or another, Tony falls 140 feet from the edge of this trail to her death. Harold took this opportunity to text Tony's brother, and I have this exchange in the document and we'll post. So he says, Barry, urgent. Tony is injured in Estes Park. I don't know if that's correct pronunciation. Estes Park is absolutely right. You said it, and it's a gorgeous place to hike. I've been there multiple times. Well, that's what I'm saying. The documentary shows a lot of the scenery, and despite the content, it's very pretty to look at. Fall from rock. Critical, requested flight for life, EMT rangers on way, please come to Denver next flight, low cell battery, please return message. We know that these were sent at 716, but we don't know if they were like boom, 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 716 or one was 717, you know, whatever. But when Tony's brother finally texts back, he says, got message, do I need to call for help? 
Here are some things to chew on. Tony's brother claimed that she had bad knees and would not have been likely to go hiking on the trail with rough terrain. And as someone who has very bad knees for their age, I agree with that. You don't want to be on something that is all over the place from a texture terrain standpoint. So there's that to consider. When Tony's friends and family started to hear about this news, they immediately suspect foul play, which is no surprise given all that we've talked about. When the news is getting passed around, Tony's father explicitly stated, quote, he pushed her. They're not even doubting. Did she trip? Did she fall? No, he pushed her. As a result of the fall, Tony suffered numerous injuries, including brain hemorrhaging, a fractured neck, blunt trauma to the chest, abdomen, and pelvis. There were no signs typically associated with CPR, which Harold claimed that he had performed in an attempt to save Tony. This was a quote. Tony's lipstick was not even smudged from the alleged mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. If she fell down a cliff, how far low was the cliff? 140 feet. So that's what I was just going to say. I don't know why he even claimed that he gave her CPR and tried to resuscitate because it doesn't really add up. I'm pretty sure they said that from where they were to where the body was, he would have had to either start from a different point or literally take a helicopter. You know, you're not walking down there. So weird. Yeah. Five days after this tragic accident, if we want to call it that, and Tony's death, hundreds gathered at her memorial service. By then, five days, Harold had already cremated Tony. Five days. And mind you, he also very shortly cremated Lynn after she died. And I don't know the exact timing, but Harold eventually spread Tony's ashes with Lynn's ashes. Here lie the two wives that I murdered. What the f- I'm not kidding. He's a monster. The prosecutors say that Harold carefully planned the killing, scouting the trail nine times before they actually went on the trip. I think they used cell phone data to see that he went to this spot nine times before their trip and before Tony's murder. While searching Harold's Jeep, they very easily find a map with an X at the location where Tony fell. And I included a picture of the map. When questioned about the map, Harold claimed that he was simply highlighting a nice trail and he would never hurt Tony. I can't with this man. He's awful. Listen, listen. He would never hurt her. Also, the fact that he scouted this shit out and was like, hmm, this would be a great place to just launch her off a cliff. I think they mentioned in the documentary that part of the reason that Tony thought Harold was having this affair was because he kept randomly leaving and not telling her where he was going. And it was him scouting this out where he would leave their house and go to the trail and do the walk and I don't know. But no, he's not having an affair. He's planning where to dump your body. And with Tony's death, Harold was set to receive about $4.7 million in life insurance policies that he had taken out on Tony. So he's cashing in on two policies. There should be a limit. Just kidding. Right. Yeah. A couple more fun random facts here before we start putting the puzzles together. 
Federal investigators found that at the time of Tony's death, Harold had not worked in 20 years. If you remember, at the top of the episode, I said that Tony was an eye surgeon and Harold, his claim was that he was a fundraiser for hospitals and churches, which I mean, just kind of sounds garbage. And we found out that yes, it was garbage. He had no income at all, but was telling everybody that he was a successful entrepreneur and businessman who was raising all this money for random various organizations. Yeah, sure, Wendy Bird, whatever. This is another thing you'll never believe. Harold had stayed in touch with his ex-sister-in-law, Grace Rischel. Grace was Lynn's sister-in-law, and Harold had stayed in touch with her. Don't know why. I'm sure if he was a creep in his marriage to Tony, he was a creep in his marriage to Lynn. So why are you staying in touch with your random sister-in-law? But investigators found that Harold had taken out a $400,000 life insurance policy in her name, the sister-in-law forging her signature and making himself the sole beneficiary. Grace is quoted as saying, I think it's logical to conclude that he was planning on taking my life at some point. She may have been next. This is literally psychotic. This is an interesting fact, which you can take it for what it's worth. But after Tony's fall, they find her wedding ring on her finger. But the diamond was missing. And yes, okay, it may have gotten dislodged. No, it's at the local pawn shop. Well, so listen, the diamond was worth about $30,000. The area was scoured and there was no signs of the diamond. However, eight months later, an investigator returned to the scene and suddenly found the diamond suspiciously sitting on the ground in plain sight. I'm telling you guys, this case sent me. It sent me. Let's put more of the pieces together because, spoiler alert, Harold gets punished. Brian Mayas, I don't know how to pronounce that. I probably really fucked it up, was an investigative reporter who was covering Tony's death. And he received an anonymous email tip from someone who told him that Harold's first wife had died under unusual circumstances. In relation to Tony's death, the authorities received 16 calls and letters, all requesting her death to be further investigated with all fingers pointing to Harold. That was really one of the catalysts that got eyes back on Lynn's case. Because like I said, it took six days. They ruled it an accident, closed, done. Lynn died in 1995, and this is now 2012. That case was boom, closed, shut, and just sitting. And while the details are very sus, one dead wife does not a serial killer make. I'm not calling Harold a serial killer. I'm just saying he now has two wives that died in suspicious ways. And it's kind of hard to talk your way out of that. <clears throat> Brian Mass began investigating both deaths and was shocked by what he found. Quote, in both cases, the accidents are freakish or bizarre, extremely unusual. He, meaning Harold, tells lots of different stories. Both wives had a lot of insurance money on them, and he was the one who was going to benefit from that, end quote. In December of 2014, two years after Tony's death and many years after Lynn's death, the Douglas County coroner changed Lynn's manner of death from accident to undetermined. We talked about that in the Ellen Greenberg case. Undetermined is a big thing for people because you're not saying it's one thing or the other. Obviously, 
they'd rather have it be ruled a homicide and put Harold behind bars, but undetermined is at least a step in the right direction. On November 6th of 2014, two years after Tony's fatal fall, Harold was arrested and charged with first-degree murder. I'm sure everyone's shocked. He pleaded not guilty. In September of 2015, Harold went on trial for Tony's murder. A judge permitted the circumstances surrounding the death of Lynn to be included in the trial, which I truly think was the only way that this was going to be taken care of. Because like I said, you can explain away some of the stuff, but when you look at the fact that this is now your second wife that has died under suspicious circumstances, it's much harder to talk your way out of that. So Harold was tried in federal court because this incident occurred in a national park, which means it falls under federal jurisdiction, which I think is another good thing that happened in this case. Harold did not take the stand, and his defense attorney called no witnesses. I mean, who are you going to call? The birds and the bees? Ghostbusters! (laughs) After 10 hours of deliberation, the jury found Harold Henthorne guilty of murdering Tony Henthorne. He received a mandatory life sentence. One side note that I wanted to share because I thought it was very sad. During the sentencing, Lynn's brother, so Lynn the first wife, apologized to Tony's family, stating, quote, we are beyond sorry for not seeing through it. I think there is a special place in hell for someone like him, end quote. And to me, that was just so, so heartbreakingly sad because one dead wife is enough, but you have to think if Harold had been prosecuted, if they didn't rule that an accident, would that have stopped him from killing Tony and taking her life away? Obviously, it is by no means, even though the brother apologizes, it's by no means his fault. He is not the monster here. It's just sad to think about. He probably wouldn't have even met Tony. I just wanted to include that because people in this world are garbage and then people in this world are wonderful human beings. In 2017, Harold filed for an appeal because why wouldn't he? He argued in his appeal that the judge should not have allowed evidence in the death of Lynn into the case with Tony. And like I said, I really think that that was pivotal. The appeals judge felt that Lynn's death was, quote, extraordinarily similar to the charged offense, quote, meaning Tony's death. One thing they did cite was Harold's decision to immediately cremate both women, wanting to have that physical evidence gone. In my attempt to wrap this all up with a pretty little bow, I wanted to share a quote by Haley's guardian during the time of the trial, because that was my top thing. How's the daughter? Who was she with? Because with her mother gone, you don't want her with this monster. So the quote says, free from Harold Henthorne's insistence that everything is just fine. Haley has been allowed to mourn for her mother. She went trick or treating for the first time on this Halloween. Haley does not wish to refer to Harold anymore as her father, but only Mr. Henthorne, end quote. Tony's family was working to be able to adopt Haley at the time that this was last updated. Wild case, guys. What do you think? It's hard to say as I for and I met because wasn't really met in one instance, met in another. What do you guys think about that? He received a life sentence for Tony's death and there was nothing further done about Lynn's death except the manner was changed to undetermined maybe they can dig into it further I find it interesting that our 
justice system works in this way sometimes, which we've seen it happen a few times where another case that for some reason they refuse to solve or can't solve leads to the conviction in an earlier case. I think eye for an eye, I guess, was met. I mean, he should have been tried after the first one. Maybe he should be pushed off a cliff and see if he survives. But I don't love that they changed her cause of death to undetermined because I think even when there's no body, people can get charged with murder if the circumstance makes sense to do so. And I think this is one of those circumstances where we just convicted you of killing your first wife. Pretty sure you killed your second wife. You have them flipped. Yes. I don't know. I'm glad he's away for life. And I'm glad his daughter wants something to do with his sick ass. What do you guys think? Yeah, I don't love undetermined as an end point. I think that's a good step. And I hope that further steps are taken to bring justice to Lynn. But I think at this point, nobody is doubting whether or not Harold killed both of his wives. It's just sad. Matt, do you have any thoughts? It's hard for me to say. I agree with both of you guys in the sense of like, hey, this dude's away for life. He's probably never going to win an appeal. It's pretty basic, pretty obvious, pretty cut and dry this guy definitely killed his second wife probably killed his first wife i just wish that it didn't take so long to get to this point where you're like dude who else could it have been you know he instantly cremates her he instantly calls for the life insurance he didn't wait a month dude he didn't even wait a month to try and cover his own tracks he was clearly a broke ass who had no money coming in and was like, you know what? I got to do this so I can live. Money makes people do a lot of desperate things, but honestly, I wish it had been more cut and dry and obvious and easy. I mean, I hate to say that because to any of us in hindsight, it's like, duh. But where was the investigative procedure on this? I mean, I don't know. Police have to go through all the proper channels. The prosecutor has to go through all the proper channels. They can't just... You know, well, we know who it was. You know, you have to compile the evidence. Just wish it didn't take so long. I just don't understand how they don't have enough evidence. I don't know. Another thing that bothered me about this, too, is I don't know if you can claim that your husband is stalking you, but I feel like there was enough. I don't know. Did it truly boil down to suspicion? With Harold and Tony, someone should have been able to help her. It wasn't for lack of trying. Her family, her friends, even her co-workers, like everybody was very aware that Harold was a creep. There should be something we can do for people who are married to creeps. <laughs> yeah, right. I don't know. Wild crime. I actually think they came out with another season in a different case. But I think it's fascinating, too, that this was a federal case because of the national park element. And I wonder if that would have been something that would have helped move Lynn's case along if it had been federal versus local. What's the opposite of federal? Federal versus state. Okay, right. I'm not saying that people didn't do their jobs, but would there have been more that we could have done, should have done, if this was on federal land and got different sort of attention? I don't know. What do you guys think? This case, I was so interested in. It has staircase vibes. It has random creepy dude with steel pipes vibes. 
Am I missing something on this staircase? What is the staircase? I'm sorry. I didn't want to interrupt you earlier, but what is that? What's, I don't even know the guy's name. Honestly, I feel like it's just like the staircase where his second wife, she fell down the stairs and died. There's the owl theory. His first wife also died. Oh, yeah. That like the owl flew in and knocked her down the stairs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We talked about that. Right. What is the actual name? I don't know anybody's name in that case. The staircase case or the staircase? What do we call it? What's his name? No, it's blink and blink. I don't know. I'm going to have to look it up. This case was wild. I'll tell you what. But you know what's also wild? A Texas woman was arrested after allegedly dropping off 50 pounds of feces to a police station. I love that. How long was she saving? Michael Peterson is the man accused of murdering. The wife is Kathleen Peterson. There's the Netflix documentary, which is The Staircase or Staircase. I don't know. But then HBO just came out with more of a, I don't want to call it dramatized, but there's actors and actresses versus documentary. So like what they do with Dahmer and that's on HBO. That just came out this year. I haven't watched it. So yeah, had to share this one. It was pretty wild, wild crime, wild case. I think I'm just glad he's in jail and that we won't have to worry about him doing this again. And it makes me sad that the brother felt it was necessary to apologize. But like, how are you supposed to know that, you know? Right. And I can't imagine he was a normal dude. Maybe there were red flags there, just not as many. I don't know. We just talked about this in another case, too. Refresh my memory, but there's all these signs. You know, after the fact, 2020 hindsight, you're like, oh, yeah, it definitely makes sense. But who in their moment of clarity even is like, I think this guy might kill some people. Actually, I'm convinced of it to the point that I want to tell somebody that. Because what if you're wrong? What if you caught that dude on a bad day? Or... I mean, granted, this seems like a pretty, going back to the word cut and dry, it's pretty obvious that this guy was a piece of shit who clearly had ulterior motives and all kind of other nefarious intentions. But it's not easy to just after the fact point back to all these different things that they did. You're like, dude, that could have been any number of things. Maybe he's just a weird guy. Maybe he's really unlucky. Maybe he's, you know, just wrong place, wrong time type person. I mean, yeah, like shitty circumstances happen. And I think that's part of being a good detective and being a good investigator is deduce the difference between random coincidence and fact. I think the thing is here, he wasn't just a creep. He was very controlling. He had the weird daddy-daughter video monitor bullshit, the whole cabin incident. There was too many things here. Oh, yeah. What I don't understand. The end is what they said. Lynn fell. Is that what they said? That was what it was originally ruled an accident. She just fell. She was under the car and she was getting the love that he threw the tire. The car fell and smushed her. I guess I can kind of understand. Because do you think that that was planned? Like, oh, I'm going to get her under the car and then I'm going to get out the jack. Well, that's the thing. That sounds even kind of weird to me, Lisa, is like she dropped a lug nut. I don't even know what a lug nut is. Let me tell you one thing. Zach and I get a flat tire. You will find my ass waiting in the car for it to be fixed by him or AAA or whoever. I don't care. That's fair. So that's how I'm going to avoid being killed because I'm going to be in the car waiting. (laughs)
Maybe though, Matt, he just pounced on an opportunity that he saw before him. She's under the car and he was like, let's just drop the car on her. Or are you thinking he didn't kill her? I'm convinced he killed both these women. You're just more wondering, like, logistically. Yeah, more about how than if. Well, it wasn't how he said. I'll tell you that. And he said Lynn's was an accident. Obviously. Mm -hmm. What did he say happened? The car just magically fell on her? When he threw the tire into the trunk and knocked the car off the jack... The car fell and smushed her because she was underneath getting the lug nut. I wonder if that's even a real story, if he, like, just kicked out the jack. You know what I mean? In the documentary, they literally have the same kind of car on the same kind of jack on the same type of terrain, and they mimic doing it. Hopefully they'll get answers because I think that's ridiculous. But I also think it's sad, like we were talking about, that the brother of Lynn apologized because... How would it was ruled an accident? It was ruled some nonsense, you know. It makes me sad that he feels like there was something they could have done if they looked into it further to get this guy off the streets. It's very sad. And the documentary I just looked up came out in 2021. So maybe the attention back on this case will bring more into Lynn's case and we can get another charge of murder. Of life and murder, but either way... You think a life sentence is adequate? I think it's a good sentence for one life, but you took two. So let's chop off his balls or something just for fun. <laughs> Rip off all his fingernails. Yeah, but he'll never see the light of day. He won't be able to see his child. All that daddy-daughter time wasted. Well, great, everybody. Woo. Let us know what you guys think. Is Harold a fuck? Yeah. Is he a creepy dab? Yes, and if you've watched or watched the documentary because of our wonderful retelling, hit us up because I'm obsessed and I'm definitely going to watch the second season. It's about a case in Yosemite, so another national park, which is I just think so cool. Is that the park where you technically, in parts of it, you can't be charged? Or is it Yellowstone? I never heard that. There's a national park where it's so far out that no jurisdiction owns it. So technically you can commit crimes and not be in trouble for it because no one will claim it. Did TikTok tell you that? I don't mean that. I mean, both of those are pretty far out there, but they're in like Wyoming, not that far out. Give me a second. You know, Google will come through. I don't know. I always thought the thing was you can get punished worse because it's a federal property that's what i was thinking the zone of death is the 50 square mile area in the idaho section of yellowstone national park in which as a result of a reported loophole in the constitution of the united states a person could theoretically avoid conviction for any major crime up to and including murder so that's where the loopholes are in the constitution (laughs) good to know (laughs) 50 square miles of some random pocket of idaho we also separately just started watching Yellowstone and it's really intense. Yeah, I've heard it's really good. I need to get into it at some point. I've had multiple people tell me they love it. I've only seen like two episodes because I suck at getting into shows, but I did really like it. Well, everybody, it's been real. I'm like on 1% battery in my head. So that's why everything I said has been disjointed. So I apologize in advance. 
No, just disjointedness. We're all good. I'm eating some other things though, and they're really good. All right, well, bye. <laughs> Cheerio.